Krishna Prasthaya Bhutale Shrimati Bhakti Vedanta Shamiti Namane Namaste Sharashati Deve Gauravani Pacharine Nirisesa Sunyavadi Pascharatya Satarine Welcome everyone. Today is the 9th of December, last night in Alachua, which is in Florida. And this will sound strange for those of you who are not familiar with Alachua. It froze. There's ice everywhere on the ground, on the car, on my steps to my office. Can you believe that? That is the absolute truth. There is ice everywhere. <laughs> Wow. Okay, today we are going to have a special reading. I was preparing a course and I was reviewing the course material and one section of the course has some amazing, amazing quotes from Srila Prabhupada and I wanted to read those about, about how to be successful in Krishna consciousness and how we will be successful. So I think that's important. And... Before we do anything, I need to turn my light up a little uh, higher. No, I need to turn this light. Turn that off. Oh, that's better, huh? A little better. Um, hold on one second. I will turn another light up and we'll be perfect. Just see. Now we're perfect. It's nice to have things perfect, isn't it? Okay. Hare Krishna. We have to. Okay. It is freezing. It is below zero centigrade. In Florida, can you imagine? <clears throat> Just when you thought everything was perfect and you could enjoy, it frosted. In Florida, who would have ever imagined such a thing? Which definitely proves there's no perfection in this world. Only perfection exists in your heart. Right? And now we'll go into your heart. We will go into your heart. Radha Madhava Kunjabi Hari Madhava Kunjabi Hari Kupichanaba Kupijanabal Labhah 
So for those of you who come late, who have come late, uh, I was explaining earlier that I have some things I want to read. And uh, I was reviewing a course that I'm doing, and some quotes came up that I thought you would love to hear. So you just have to give me a moment 
because I'm not I'm not sure where the, these quotes are. Hmm. Okay, here's a few. I think these are the ones I was thinking of. This is from Bhagavad Gita 637. To pursue the transcendental path is more or less to declare war on the illusory energy. Consequently, whenever a person tries to escape the clutches of the illusory energy, she tries to defeat the practitioner by various allurements. A conditioned soul is already allured by the modes of material energy, and there is every chance of being allured again, even while performing transcendental disciplines. So this sounds kind of discouraging. <clears throat> it's just a warning that the enemy is strong. It's not a discouragement, although it sounds like it. The next one is from Bhagavad Gita 340. In the material world, the center of all activities is sex, and thus the material, material world is called Maitunya Agara, or the shackles of sex life. In the ordinary prison house, criminals are kept within bars. Similarly, the criminals who are disobedient to the laws of the Lord are shackled by sex life. Advancement of material civilization on the basis of sense gratification means increasing the duration of material existence of a living entity. Therefore, this lust is the symbol of ignorance by which the living entity is kept within the material world. While one enjoys sense gratification, it may be that there is some feeling of happiness. But, and listen to this, actually that so-called feeling of happiness is the ultimate enemy of the sense enjoyer. So, another warning that, you know, because sometimes happiness in and of itself seems like it's its own perfection or the goal of life is to be happy. So somehow or other, if I can become happy, it seems like, well, everything is good. I've, I've achieved it. And Prabhupada is here saying that if happiness is derived from passion and ignorance, that feeling of happiness is binding us to the material world. So the feeling of happiness is actually the enemy, which is a, it's an interesting concept. Happiness is your enemy. The happiness of sense gratification is your enemy. Um, this is a, a course on sexual purity, so the, the quotes are in relation to sexual purity. And I'm not even sure if these are the quotes that I originally wanted to read, but since I'm on the page, we will take this as Krishna's arrangement. Hmm. That, that Prabhupada's pointing out, I think what's obvious, the allurement of sexual attraction and the allurement of maya. Now here's a very heavy purport. This this might I don't know, this purport is going to it's gonna get you thinking and maybe even get your head spinning. It's a little Yeah, I think it'll get your head spinning. There might be questions coming up after I read this purport, so get ready for it. This is from no, this is a conversation. 
January 7, 1977, in Bombay, formerly known as Bombay, now known as Mumbai. Prabhupada, this sex life in this material world is so strong. Even in the heavenly planets, big, big rishis, Prabhupada means big, big rishis are attracted or they fall prey to the allurement. So it's that strong everywhere. Then Prabhupada goes on to say sex life with animals is also there. He's making the point that it's a known fact that some human beings, believe it or not, enjoy having sex with animals. So he's, he's just following his point that the sex, sex desire is so strong that you go to the higher planets or you go to rishis, they're struggling with it. Higher beings are struggling with it. People have become... Uh, so fallen that they even are having sex with animals. Now, here's the scary part. Vyasadev made one of his students pregnant. What to speak of ourselves? Now, you're thinking that if Prabhupada is saying this, that this is happening to Vyasadev, that's discouraging. And then Prabhupada saying, it even happened to Vyasadev, so what to speak of you? And it sounds like Prabhupada saying, so, you know, your situation is hopeless and you shouldn't really try because it's a losing battle. That's what it sounds like, but it's not the conclusion. Anyway, let's read that again. Vyasadev made one of his students blind, pregnant. What to speak of ourselves? Mm -hmm. Sex affairs, just see in the highest circle. Another example. Brihaspati, the spiritual master of the Devatas, he became so much mad for his brother's wife who was pregnant and forcibly they had sex. Just see. These are examples. So now um, this adds, it seems like this is adding salt to the wound of our own doubt in ourself. First we have Vyasadeva, now we have <clears throat> Rihaspati, who is the spiritual master of the devatas, of the demigods. And he forced his sister-in-law to have sex. Amazing. And she was pregnant. That's even more amazing. These are examples. Brahma became attracted with his daughter. Lord Shiva became attracted with the beauty of Mohini Murti, even in the presence of his wife. So here's the good news, everyone. Before you're ready to hang up your japa beads or discard them or give up, there is hope on the horizon coming. So this sex life can be controlled only by becoming Krishna conscious. Otherwise, it is not possible. The Bhagavad has discussed all of this because in, the, in this material world, there is no escape unless we become Krishna conscious. No escape from the sex impulse. It is not possible. Yadavi, yadavadi, mamacheta krishna padaravinda. When one is shushtu, he'll spit at the thought of his past sexual enjoyment. Is that enjoyment 
No. It is possible for a Krishna conscious person to feel this way, that even sex, sexual, sex life is not enjoyable. So, um, one of the reasons I am reading this is not to discourage you, which I think some of you might initially feel like, hmm, well, we have Brahma, Vyasadeva, and Brihaspati, and they couldn't do it, and how can I do it? And so Prabhupada's making a contrast. Even they couldn't do it, but you can uh, if you take shelter of Krishna consciousness. So there, this was Prabhupada is saying this actually to encourage us, although you could take it in the wrong way. But so Krishna is saying Maya is unconquerable. And so that point Prabhupada is making, but if you surrender, then you can conquer it. So he's contrasting. Okay, this is impossible. Yes, yes, yes. These are the reasons it's impossible. And yes, it is possible if you take shelter of Krishna. These were not actually the letters that I wanted to read. And because I was busy this morning studying other things, I didn't, I wasn't able to find what I was looking for. But <clears throat> there's still hope. If you give me a moment, I will look through the other documents. I will just go through all of them. As I was reading them, I was thinking, these are some very beautiful quotes here to read in class. And I, I um, this may be it. Yeah, I think this is it. <clears throat> okay, now, if you're a little concerned that even great devotees, great sages cannot control themselves, how can I? Hopefully this will help you. This is beautiful. Whatever, so pay attention because this will make you feel um, very comforted at the feet of lotus feet of Guru and Krishna. Whatever a living entity desires, however insignificant he may be, is noted by the Lord who gives him a chance to fulfill his desires. If the desires of the non-devotees are fulfilled, why not those of a devotee? A pure devotee simply wants to engage in the service of the Lord without material desire. And if he wants this within the core of his heart, where the Lord is situated, and if, he's, if he is without ulterior motive, why should the Lord not understand? If a sincere devotee renders service to the Lord, or to the Archa Vigraha, the form of the Lord, all his activities prove successful because the Lord is present within his heart and understands his sincerity. Thus, if a devotee, with all confidence, goes on discharging the prescribed duties of devotional service, he will ultimately attain success. What Prabhupada is saying is that if we want to be successful, Krishna will hear that Definitely, and Krishna will definitely fulfill that desire. So that that is um, so beautiful. That it's it's if I have that desire, even though 
Maybe I feel incapable or useless or whatever I feel in some way discouraged by my own disqualification. But still, if I have that desire, I'm sincere in my prayer, Krishna will hear and reciprocate. I just heard a story last week, and unfortunately, I don't remember the details, but I can give the essence of the story. A devotee had written to Srila Prabhupada about how she had desired something, and Krishna had fulfilled that desire. It happened almost mystically. And Prabhupada said, yes, this is not this is not extraordinary. This is this is natural because Krishna knows your heart and Krishna wants to fulfill the desires of, of the devotees. And then Prabhupada ended that letter by saying, you can expect this as a devotee, that these kinds of things will happen. Or he said something, you can expect this will continue. You have a desire and Krishna will fulfill it. So the same idea is, is being explained here, maybe a little more elaborately and philosophically. <clears throat> but you know, if you break this down, basically Prabhupada is yeyatamampapadyante, saying Krishna is, he's bound to reciprocate with your desire. It's just, it's not, you don't have to worry about that. That's how it works. So I thought this letter was discouraging if we ever get discouraged. Um, uh, let's read this letter again because I think it's worth worth meditating on this. Whatever a living entity desires, however insignificant he may be, is noted by the Lord, who gives him a chance to fulfill the desire. So, however significant, your desire is noted by the Lord, and he will give you a chance to fulfill it. So, don't ever think your desire is not noted by the Lord. He may decide to not fulfill it for his own reasons, but it's definitely noted. If the desires of the non-devotees are fulfilled, why not those of the devotee? So Krishna knows your heart in the right circumstance. He will fulfill that. He's even doing it for non-devotees. So why not for devotees? A pure devotee simply wants to engage in service without material desire. And if he wants this within the core of his heart, where the Lord is situated, and if he is without ulterior motive, why should the Lord not understand? In other words, I want to be a pure devotee. I feel that I'm, I'm very conditioned. I feel this is very difficult. I have so many other desires. But in the core, I want to be a pure devotee. So Prabhupada's saying, why would you think Krishna wouldn't fulfill that? Krishna's like, well, you know, 28,000 lifetimes ago, you know, you were an atheist. So I, I just haven't got over that. I'm working on it. I have some work to do, but I still haven't got over it. So even though you want to be a pure devotee, uh, I'll have to think about it. It's not like that. And because it's like that in this world, sometimes we think Krishna's like that, and he's not. <laughs> it's funny. Sometimes we think Krishna's like ordinary person. Why would he care about me? Because he's God and he's not ordinary person. Why would he forgive me? Because he's God, he's not ordinary person. Why would he love me? Because he's God, not ordinary person. Even my mother doesn't love me. But Krishna does because he's not like some neurotic mother you may have had. <laughs> so we, we tend to think Krishna's like, you know, some dysfunctional person. Why would he love me? You know, I did. I turned my back on him. Why would he care about me? Because he's not some psychotic, dysfunctional person of this world who would 
disown you because he doesn't like the way you acted or whatever. So, let's continue reading. If a sincere devotee renders service to the Lord or to the Arch of Vigraha, the form of the Lord, all his activities prove successful because the Lord is present within his heart and understands his sincerity. Lord is present in his heart and understands his sincerity. So, you know, how many how many times have I emphasized this point of sincerity? Over and over and over again. And the reason is because Prabhupada's always emphasizing it. And here he's giving the qualification again. Like whatever you've done, or even whatever you're doing, is not the factor that determines how Krishna is going to reciprocate, but your sincerity. Sincerity wins out because if we're sincere and we pray sincerely, we will become Krishna conscious. We'll, we will become pure. And sometimes, even though we're sincere, we slip. That's not our intention. It's due to our weakness. And then we focus on our weakness and think, oh, I'm so bad. Look what I did. Krishna is focused on the sincerity. He overlooks the weakness. Apichet sudrachara. All right, you slipped on a banana peel. You're not the worst thing in the universe for doing that. So yeah, sometimes we slip. Krishna's not like writing down in his book, oh, he slipped today. All right, put him in, you know, animal species for 10,000 lifetimes. You know, that's, that we have all these we may have all these crazy ideas. I'm so bad. I slipped today. I deserve to go to hell. It's not how Krishna thinks. Krishna's looking at your sincerity. So, so as long as as long as you want to be Krishna conscious and you remain sincere, you're good. You're good to go. We'll let you on the airplane to Baikunta. Don't worry. There's a seat for you. It hasn't been given away to someone else. As long as you continue in the process, we'll save that seat for you. That you should know. You give up the process, that's a different thing. But as long as you're trying to some degree and you're sincere, then you get Krishna's help and that guarantees success. So let's read that last sentence again just to emph for emphasis and so we can remember it. If a sincere devotee renders service to the Lord or to the Archavigra, the form of the Lord, all his activities prove successful because the Lord is present within his heart and understands his sincerity. Thus, if a devotee with all confidence goes on discharging the prescribed duties of devotional service, he will ultimately attain success. So there it is <clears throat> in black and white. He will ultimately attain success. What? If he's sincere, goes on discharging devotional service, he will ultimately attain success. So the conclusion is Krishna knows your heart. And despite your activities, may not be perfect yet or ideal, still Krishna understands your heart and your sincerity and that's and then he helps you because of that. And as I've said many times, don't give up because if you give up, then nothing happens, obviously. So don't give up even if it's hard because if you don't give up, then Krishna's he's there to help you. Slow, it's a slow process. You know, be patient. Don't don't expect everything. Don't expect self-realization overnight or this week. It's a slow process, but the process is working. Mm. So here's another encouraging letter. Now the last one I don't know. I think it was a conversation. I didn't. It's not noted where it's from. 
Hmm. Actually, sounds like from Prabhupada's books. So the next one is from a letter, 1971. As a householder, even there are some flaws in following the rules and regulations. It doesn't matter. You should try your best and Krishna's help. Excuse me. You should try your best and with Krishna's help, Krishna will help you. If you keep your heart in that attitude that you want to become a pure and sincere devotee, you must be a sincere devotee and Krishna will help you. You have to keep your heart in that way. That is your business. In other words, it's the same thing said in another way. If you keep your heart sincere that I want to be a pure devotee, then even though you don't perfectly follow the rules and regulations 24-7, it's not, that's not the ultimate. The fall, perfectly following the rules and regulations is not the ultimate thing. But your sincerity and your attitude and your prayer. So let's read that again. If you keep your heart... I'll have to paraphrase this um, a little bit. To, it'll make it more clear. You should try your best, and with Krishna's help, Krishna will help you. <clears throat> In other words, you should try your best and Krishna will help you. If you keep your heart in that attitude, what attitude, Krishna, I want to be a pure devotee. And the Prabhupada says what that attitude is, you want to become a pure devotee, sincere devotee, then Krishna will help you. You keep your heart in that if you keep your heart in that way, no then Prabhupada says you have to keep your heart in that way, that's your business. So if you keep your heart in the right place, Krishna will help you. So that's beautiful. I mean, think about it. As long as my heart's in the right place, then I'll always get Krishna's help. If I lose that sincerity of purpose, then I won't get his help. And so we go back to, like, look at Maya. Maya's like des destroying even, you know, luring even great, great sages. But if in, if in my mind and heart I have this attitude, sincere, Krishna, I want to be a pure devotee. That's it. Then, then you have Krishna's support and help. And you can make it maya me tantarantita. You can cross over maya. Um, that's beautiful, I think. It, very encouraging. Um, let's see if there's anything else. Yeah, there are some more. <clears throat> I I'd like to read these and discuss these, and then I'll take your questions and comments. This is a letter from 1969. Krishna's mercy is always bestowed upon one who is sincerely serving him. Our only shelter is Krishna. Stick to this principle and success is sure for you. Okay, we're guaranteed. We get another guarantee here of success. Krishna's mercy is always bestowed upon one who is sincerely serving him. Again, sincerity. <clears throat> and we can note here Prabhupada is not talking about material qualification, even spiritual qualification. He's talking, well, the spiritual qualification he's talking about is sincerity, not bhairagya, not detachment, not attainment of a certain level of bhakti, but sincerity. So this is really, really important because I may not be able to be so detached, I may not be able to be so advanced, I may not be so scholarly, so realized, but I can be sincere. So fortunately, that's the qualification, something that I can do. Because if the qualification is something I can't do, that's then why try? 
doesn't make any sense. I'm wasting my time. So don't ever feel like this is something I can't do. Because sincerity is something everyone can do. Let's read another letter. This is from 1969. Material entanglement is no problem. If Krishna was not so... The sky is falling. How did that happen? Okay, I have to go back and see. Can you see me? Okay, I'm still here, everyone. It was just my computer. Hare Krishna. Okay, where are we reading? Oh, yeah. Material entanglement is no problem. If Krishna was not so powerful that he can easily undo our material entanglement, then there would be no need to follow the path of Krishna consciousness. I love that statement. I'm going to read that again. Did you pick up on that? Did you get that? If Krishna was not so powerful that he can easily undo our material entanglement, then there would be no need to follow the path of Krishna consciousness. If you are sincere of purpose, there is no problem. Wow, if you are sincere of purpose, there is no problem. Meaning, Krishna will do the work for you. It's You see, what's, if, you, if you analyze this, what Prabhupada is saying, nobody has the power to get out of maya. You can't do it on your own. And to try to do it on your own is useless because even great sages have tried and it didn't work. But if Krishna helps you, then it works. And how do you get Krishna's help? Sincerity of purpose. So if we're sincere, we try our best, Krishna helps, we're good. If we try on our own, we fail. So if you look at your qualifications or lack thereof of qualifications, or should I say, if we look at our disqualifications, then we, we're focused on the first half, daiviyesha gunamayi, mamamaya dharayaya, nobody can get out of maya. If you look at Krishna's mercy in reciprocation for our sincerity, then we look at the second half of the verse. Whoever surrenders to me, will I will help them. They will cross beyond. Maya metan tarantite. Mom eva ye But, mom eva ye. Certainly. But certainly, you will be successful. So that's, you know, just a different way of saying it here. If you are sincere of purpose, there's no problem. Oh, there's so many problems. I'm having such a hard time. No. If you're sincere in purpose, there's no problem. Or we could say there will be no problem. You will be successful. Another letter, 1971. These were the the letters I, the exact letters I was thinking. I was thinking about all of you, wonderful devotees who come to class when I was reading these letters. Of course, this is 1971, of course Maya is very strong. There is a chance of falling down at any moment. But if we are able to catch hold of Krishna's lotus feet by chanting the Hare Krishna mantra, then Krishna gives us all protection from the onslaught onslaught attack by Maya. Let's read that again. Same theme. Mm. Maya is very strong. There is a chance of our falling down at any moment. But 
if we are able to catch hold of Krishna's lotus feet by chanting the Hare Krishna mantra, then Krishna gives us all protection from the onslaught, onslaught attack by Maya. Hare Krishna. <clears throat> so now I'm going to go and see if there's any questions or comments. Mm-hmm. Hare Krishna to all of you, great souls, great sages. So we have a question here by Krishna Karshani. But it seems that devotees who are Krishna conscious still have sexual desires can fall at any moment. Great devotees fell down. So why Krishna consciousness did not protect them? They were not sincere enough? Well, there's another way of looking at it. Krishna consciousness did protect them because to say a devotee has fallen down to sex indicates there was a long period of time in their Krishna consciousness where they were celibate. They were following. And something happened in a, in a moment of weakness or it was a bad week or a bad month or the stars were in the wrong place or whatever or they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Circumstantially something happened. And so there's two. that's one scenario. And then the scenario is that there is some slip but then the devotee corrects themselves and then after that, they're fine. Or in the case of being a sannyasi, maybe they get married and then they're okay. They were just in the wrong ashram. So what you see is if the devotee is sincere, yes, due to conditioning, weakness, it it could happen that there's an occasional fall. And Krishna recognizes that. That's the Apichet Sudarachava verse 930 Bhagavad Gita. And also 11th Canto, there's some um, beautiful prayers by devotees who are admitting their own weakness. So that's recognized. But what's also recognized simultaneously is that that is just like a little, it's a small obstacle on the road. It's not a big thing. Okay, I wasn't looking where I was going. I tripped and I fell. I should have been more careful. But then... Now that I tripped and I, I have fallen, I get up, brush myself off, I'm a little more careful walking on the road. I see that there's uh, the road's uneven and I need to be careful. So that's one scenario, right? <clears throat> that, I think, is the most common scenario. And I think the answer is obvious that you know, we're conditioned souls and sometimes we're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Not all fall downs are premeditated. Sometimes it's accidental. So that's another consideration. But the point is in the long run, devotee becomes successful if they're sincere. So no matter what happens, if a devotee's sincere, he'll brush himself off, he'll get up and he'll go forward. The weakness, we're weak, we're conditioned souls. So sometimes it happens. But I think there's a big difference, not that I think there is a big difference, between an occasional or rare 
unpremeditated fall and regular premeditated or intentional fall. Then in that case, if someone is intentionally falling, then we could say they're not that sincere because Krishna would protect them. So let's say, Krishna Karshna, you say, I want to do something, and I say, I don't think you should do it, and you say, but I, I want to do it. So because you want to do it, you're going to do it. But then I say, well, pray to Krishna to help you overcome that desire. And then you might say, oh, I I just was giving in to this desire. I didn't think I could overcome it. I never prayed to Krishna. Well, try. Pray to Krishna, see what happens. Or you might say, I never prayed to Krishna because I didn't want to overcome the desire. So in that case, we can say, well, how will Krishna help you if you don't really want to overcome it? So if someone has a desire that they don't want to overcome and then we question why isn't Krishna helping them, then we have to conclude probably because they're not praying to Krishna to help them overcome it. They don't want to overcome it. You know, maybe you're eating something and you say, no, I really shouldn't eat this. It's not really good. And I say, well, did you pray to Krishna to help you overcome it? And then you say, no, I didn't. All right, so then try it. See what happens. Do an experiment. So I think that's more the reality. And I never I never saw that Prabhupada was worried if a devotee slipped now and again. If that devotee was sincere and steady, mostly, I think Prabhupada accepted that, you know, sometimes we become weak. But if the devotee is sincere, Prabhupada was confident they would be successful. He, Someone would fall and then he would reinstate them in their former position or a similar position of responsibility with the confidence that if they sincerely engaged in devotional service, they'd be okay. So... I don't know. Did that answer your question or you're taking it to a different level? Anyway, you can let me know. Nadia says she has the letter. Um, she found it. Thank you. She found the other letter and she found the other letter. Wow, she's amazing. Um... Okay, so this follow-up question by Krishna Karshani uh, comes perfectly, I think, fits perfectly into what I was saying. Why are we sometimes losing sincerity? I really think that's we're the ones who have to answer that question. But we could philosophically analyze. Because sometimes sincerity may be circumstantial. It may be that you're not getting good association or any association. It may be that there's uh, some kind of break in your sadhana or weakening of your sadhana. So sometimes sincerity can be influenced by external factors. And, um, you know, this this attitude of I just don't care, certainly Maya would like all of us to not care about our Krishna consciousness. Obviously, if you don't care, you're not going to try. Why would you need to try to achieve something you don't care about. Or Maya will convince you that you can't achieve it. So why be sincere about trying to achieve something that I can't achieve? 
So there may be many reasons we lose sincerity, and the, the most unfortunate reason, I think, is due to philosophical misunderstanding or, or due to uh, discouragement that uh, I feel like I can't do it. could even be due to low self-esteem. Uh, I don't have the confidence in myself that I can do it. Why try or why low self-esteem? Why would Krishna care? It doesn't matter. Things like that. So there could be many reasons we lose sincerity. But ultimately, if we want to go back to Godhead, and ultimately we want to serve Prabhupada in his mission and help other people, then we will be sincere for that goal. I mean, sincerity means you're sincerely striving for a goal. If you lose sight of the goal or the goal no longer becomes important, there's nothing, nothing to be sincere about. Right. So the goal, if the if you if the goal loses importance, then what are you going to be sincere about? Sense gratification, basically, material life. But as long as the goal is clear that this is my goal to become Krishna conscious and spread Krishna consciousness, then naturally you'll be sincere to achieve it. If you don't have the goal, what are you going to be sincere about? So those are some possible answers, but I think all of us need to also find our own answer if we're losing sincerity. And, you know, how how would you know you're losing sincerity? Well, do you pray to Krishna to become a pure devotee? Is that, is that what's going on inside? You know, Prabhupada many times said, I pray to Radha and Krishna that I won't fall down. Are you praying daily that you won't fall down? Are you praying, I want to be a pure devotee, I want to be an instrument in Srila Prabhupada's hands? Are you praying like that? If you are, it's a sign of sincerity. If you're not praying that way, it may be a sign that you're lacking sufficient sincerity. Or at least at least I would say it's worth it's worth questioning my own sincerity if I'm not if I'm not praying. If I'm not <clears throat> praying also means desiring. Doesn't necessarily mean you're formally, officially praying, but it, is that desire there in your heart? And if it's not, then I would question myself. Am I sincere? Why am I not praying? Why am I not thinking this way? And as I said, it could be a philosophical reason, a misunderstanding, uh, uh, or it could be a psychological reason. And you could actually be sincere but you philosophically misunderstand and you think I'm not qualified or you, your psychology makes you feel you're not qualified. So there's nothing in our philosophy that, has, that says anything about us being qualified. I can't be sincere because I'm not qualified. No, there's no, there's no qualification for being sincere. And the, the psychological factor is just something to bring your awareness to that maybe your own psychology is discouraging you, thinking you can't do it or you don't deserve to do it. And so if you lose sight of the goal, then there's nothing to be sincere about achieving. That's the problem. So don't don't allow mis philosophical misunderstanding or some or some negative form of psychology to in any way interrupt your sincerity. That would be unfortunate. Okay, so we have some more. <clears throat> Melita. 
if you get the polar differences, then where do we land? Yes, philosophical misunderstanding. Polar differences? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. What you mean there? Polar differences? Where do we land? Maybe what I just said answered your question. If not, you could answer, ask it again, but explain it a little more because I'm not, I'm not clear. Um, Marco. Marco says we're so used to the sense. We're so used to the sense gratification of this body from immemorial time, that we have forgotten about Krishna and his love and how beautiful it is. We should get used to happiness, joy, and sublime love again. (laughs) That's nice. Get used to sublime love again. To be spontaneously Krishna conscious, I think. This is said in a bhakti after all. Yeah, well, you know, Is, you know, when if you've been sick for a long time, you forget what it's like to be healthy. So we have been not Krishna conscious for such a long time that sometimes being Krishna conscious doesn't feel natural; it feels foreign. When obviously the fact is that material conditioning is foreign, and Krishna consciousness is natural. <clears throat> so the more you advance, the more natural Krishna consciousness feels. The more you're not Krishna conscious, the more unnatural it feels, and the more natural material consciousness feels. Yes. Oh, I did answer that. I answered her question before I read it. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Wow. What time is it? Is it like midnight for you or Queensland? Yeah, it must be like what? time is it for you? Like 11 p.m. or something? She's in... She's in Australia. Must be like 11 p.m. Okay, so that's what I wanted to discuss. Now we could go back and begin reading... begin reading <coughs> where we left off and Krishna Karshan he just has made a prediction that Marco is going to be a guru soon wow soon not in the long future well <coughs> first I'll need to be get, I'll need to get initiated but he's already a siksha guru I'm sure he instructs many people in Krishna Khan. he's been a devotee in 20 years so he's had 20 years to meditate on all these things so you see his comments are full of wisdom. <clears throat> so let me now. Well, there is one more principle um, that I could read. Let's see if there's any other quotes now. Okay, so we are going to go. We still have 35 minutes, so we can continue reading from where we left off on a Monday. I just have to bring that document up and find out where we left off. By the grace of Microsoft, sometimes they tell me, yes, welcome back. This is where you left off. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. So this is a letter to Govinda Dasi. And I don't know if we read this, but it relates to what we're talking about. This is from 1974. Wow, that's the last letter I have. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. I have two letters. Oh, I, I thought we had more letters, so I didn't. I didn't research this topic. Well, actually, this was the end of my research on this topic. The next, after I read these letters, the next topic is going to be yoga maya, which is the internal potency and how yoga maya works. <clears throat> it's part of this series of discussion, but I hadn't, I don't have any quotes on that yet. So I think we read this letter yesterday, but let's read it again to get some context because. Yeah, well, let's read it again. And because we are not at the stage where we can chant and do nothing else all day, there are so many other engagements. So you have sufficient engagement there? Because if we are not full-time engaged, then the mind is free to do its fickle business of rejection and acceptance for sense gratification. Maya will immediately enter. We do not even have to call her. The moment we are not absorbed in Krishna's devotional service. As you remember, we read this. This was the last letter. We didn't have time to discuss this. So we can discuss this a little bit. And Prabhupada said similar things. That Maya is right behind Krishna. As soon as you remove Krishna, Maya is there. There's no waiting period. Immediate delivery. Self-service. She, immediately she's just there. As soon as Krishna's not there, she's there. It's just it's instantaneous. <clears throat> so that's an important it's an important principle to understand. It's not like there's some like limbo zone. Well, I'm not Krishna conscious, and I'm I'm in limbo, and I'm not Maya conscious. I'm not Krishna conscious. I'm just unconscious. Sorry, it doesn't work that way. If I'm not Krishna conscious, then I'm Maya conscious. Material energy, material world, all of that. It's there. Immediately. Okay. And then um, the other point Prabhupada is making here about being engaged in devotional service. And he's equating engagement in devotional service with controlling the mind, which is interesting. Why is it interesting? Because what Prabhupada is saying is, well, if you're engaged in devotional service, it's a spiritual activity. And if you're engaged in devotional service, then your mind is engaged in the service. Now, sometimes devotees think, they think they'll say, you know, I never think of Krishna. I'm just, I'm just thinking about my service, and I'm not, not thinking of Krishna's lotus feet, I'm not thinking of his qualities or his leelas. <clears throat> and Prabhupada here is saying something which you could you could say is, no, you are thinking of Krishna because you're thinking of his service and because on the absolute platform, everything is the same. Thinking of Krishna's service is thinking of Krishna. So what's the proof? Well, the proof is it's, it's a lot different when you're thinking, when you're engaged in devotional service and thinking of service. Your life is much different than if you're engaged in ordinary activities or you're thinking of doing those same things but doing them for yourself. So that is proof 
that it is spiritual and that thinking about your service is thinking of Krishna. And that's why Prabhupada's making this point. He said, otherwise, what is your mind thinking about? Now, this is interesting. If I'm thinking about service, I'm thinking about how to do the service, how to do it better, when to do it, <clears throat> some, some, what conditions do I need, what tools of the trade, so to speak, do I need to do the service. You are thinking about the service. <clears throat> what kind of microphone do I need? What kind of camera do I need? What kind of light do I need? What kind of computer do I need? What kind of this or that do I need? But what but your thinking is, well, I only need these things for service. I'm not thinking about myself, what I would like, and <clears throat> thinking about what can be used in service. If I'm thinking, what kind of microphone do I need, what kind of camera, computer, so that I can become a YouTube sensation, number one, and everyone will love me, and then I'll get millions of followers and become famous and make lots of money and live in Beverly Hills. Okay. Then my thinking of my computer, my microphone, my light, my camera, it's the same thinking, but it's in relation to me becoming it's in relation to my sense gratification, money and fame, you know, and that's like the end all and be all of material enjoyment. So, Nana Prabhupada's saying in this letter, what does the mind do? He said, Prabhupada has told us many times, the mind's the mind does two things. It looks out of the world and says, I like it or I don't like it. I want it, I don't want it. That's basically what the mind's doing all day. It's cold outside. I don't like it. Hmm, it's warm inside. I'd like it. Let's go inside where it's warm. I'm hungry. Here, you want some spinach? Hmm, I don't like it. You want some dal? Hmm, I like it. My, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's probably to said this so many times. You know, when he talks about the mind, the function of the mind, he doesn't say anything else. He doesn't say, the function of the mind is to think. He never says that. But he always says the function of the mind is to accept and reject. I like this. I don't, you know, just think about what you like and you don't like. So if you observe your mind, if you observe your activities, observe, if you observe, <clears throat> observe your day, you'll notice that basically that's really what your mind is doing. It's, I like this, I don't like this. I want to do this. I, oh, no, I have to go to work. I don't, mind is going, I don't like this. Get home from work. Ah, it's nice prasadam. Mm, I like this. But in Krishna consciousness, it, what Prabhupada's saying is, if you if you have service and you absorb your mind in service, then you transcend that because now it's not about you; it's about Krishna. You can accept and reject on Krishna's behalf, but it has a totally different effect on you. <clears throat> so, the point Prabhupada is making here is that although Service may seem like something kind of innocent and maybe not that spiritual, and sometimes we do service, maybe we don't feel so Krishna conscious. But what Prabhupada's saying, well, just think if you didn't do service, then then how not Krishna conscious would you be? You would be completely not Krishna conscious. So you may feel like, well, I'm not so Krishna conscious because I'm not thinking of Krishna's lotus feet while I'm doing my service. But you're thinking how to do your service. So because of, because 
it's absolute, then on the absolute platform, you're thinking of Krishna. Because look at, you're not being allured by the material energy. Right? <clears throat> yes? Makes sense? So, if you don't have, if you have free time, spare time that you can waste, that means you don't have enough service. That's all it means. And you should have more service. If you need service, call me up. I can give you 10 lifetimes worth of service. Call up your temple president, ask him, start a project, do something. You know, sometimes we're so busy, sometimes we, we question whether that is actually healthy. Sometimes we're so busy. And I <clears throat> I look at my life and I think, I, if if you if I look I sometimes I think of my day and I think what did I do today? And the whole day it's just devotional service. There's nothing else in my day. It's just, you know, it's like studying, chanting, giving a class, uh, <clears throat> working on projects, giving guidance to devotees. Like it's just that there's I don't have time for I don't wouldn't even want time for other things but if you have time for other things other than Christian conscious things probably means you need more service it's serve you know you don't want idle time is dangerous Prabhupada used to say idle mind is a devil's workshop <clears throat> You know, if you ever had spare time and misused it, that means we're weak and we don't know how to use it. So, if you don't have service, if you're if you have spare time, you don't have service. That service will save you in so many ways. It will save you from wasting time. So ultimately, you know, we we think like service. Well, you know, we need to serve the mission, and we do. But ultimately, we're the real beneficiary of service. Okay, so we have one more letter, and then I'll go back and see if you have comments. This is also to Govinda Dasi, but it's about eight months later. April 1974. August, September, October, November, January, February, March, April, eight. I did the math. I must be a genius. Eight months later. Krishna's name is Madan Mohan, the conqueror of lusty desires, or the Cupid. Unless one is very much attracted with Krishna, one cannot give up or avoid attraction of Cupid. That is a fact. You can't deny that. Those who are fixed in chanting Hare Krishna mantra and always reading the books and following the regulative principles, they can be saved. Otherwise, there's no question of being saved from the clutches of Maya. Daiviyesha guna mai mama maya daratyaya daratyaya Gita 7.4 So, kind of just summing up what we just said. But I'll read this line again just for, you can meditate on this a little more. Those who are fixed in chanting the Hare Krishna mantra Hare Krishna Mantra. And always reading the books and following the regulative principles, they can be saved. Otherwise, there's no question of being saved from the clutches of mind. So, 
somebody comes to Krishna consciousness, they, many people come, they move in the temple, and then they engage in the temple morning program, they engage in sadhana. And although their whole life they were engaged in material activities, now, the next day, no material activity. They're, not, they're no longer in the clutches of mind. Isn't that amazing? In one day, just one day, they engage in devotional service and there's no more Maya. Maya's finished. That's amazing. Think about that, right? A person is engaged in material activities for lifetimes. They move in the temple and all their material activities stop. Their mind is clear. They're thinking about service. They're no longer thinking about how they can be happy. It's all stopped. And Prabhupada's saying, your sadhana and your service, that's it. It keeps you engaged. If you're engaged, you will not be in Maya. So this is uh, just emphasizing what we just discussed. Service. If you don't have service, if you have free time, if you have service and you're busy working, taking care of your family, you hardly have time to eat and sleep, then, yeah, you can't add to your schedule. But if you have idle free time, which is especially being misused, not used in Christian service, probably you need more service or you need to be more diligent. So now I'm going to go back and see if you have anything to say about what we're reading. Mm, well, you have a lot to say. Okay, Krishna Karshani says, what in case the fall downs are regular, not accidental? How Krishna sees it? Um... Basic distinction distinction that's made in the Shastra is accidental. And so, if the fall downs are regular, it's no longer accidental. How Krishna sees it? Not so well. That, you know, what we were reading earlier is Krishna is just helping you according to what you want. So if if you want to forget Krishna, the unfortunate reality is that he'll help you. That's kind of scary, isn't it? I mean, we should be careful that we, we never want to come to this point where we actually want to forget Krishna or we actually don't want to be Krishna conscious because he'll help us. Could you imagine Krishna's helping you not be Krishna conscious? how horrible that would be, right? That would be the worst thing. So um, if one is regularly having trouble, if that person is sincere, they will, they will do something. They will get help. But if we're not getting help, and the same problem continues, then I would say that means the person's really not sincerely desiring to be Christian conscious. So no matter how difficult it is, we should try to make some solution. And then if you're trying and you're best sincerely and you're slipping up, yeah, Krishna understands that, that someday if you keep trying, you'll be successful and he will help you. But if you 
don't care, then how will Krishna help you? So it it is possible someone can regularly fall who's sincere, but we would have to say that if they're sincerely trying and finding ways to improve, doing what's necessary, their falls will be minimized. I think that that is an obvious conclusion. You might say, well, what if they become addicted to pornography or alcohol or something? But if they're sincere, sincere, they will do what's necessary to overcome the addiction, and Krishna will help them, and they will become successful. That's the ultimate conclusion. If you just look at it purely from a addiction point of view, <clears throat> just forget Krishna consciousness for the sake of this discussion, just take position of someone who's addicted, there are programs to help addicts. And as long as they're in the programs, they do well. If they leave the program and don't follow it, they may relapse. There's a good chance they will relapse. So then you might say, well, he was an alcoholic. He went to the 12-step program. He gave up alcohol, but he relapsed. And usually he relapses because he's not following the program. So you might logically conclude that it doesn't seem like he's sincere. Now you could say he's weak. That's also there. But he had the support of the group, and he gave it up. So he must have not sincerely wanted to give up his habit, or not wanted it enough. So that's how I would answer that question. And I think it's a, it's a good principle in our lives that if we have problems, we should not neglect them, but we should find out, and we should face them and find out what we have to do to conquer them. Because the worst thing you can do is avoid your problems because they don't go away by avoidance. They go away by dealing with them. So that's an important principle. So Satur, I miss Kate Christie's question. Here's the question. Can one think one is sincere but actually be in an illusion? <laughs> I am sometimes worried that I think I am trying to be as sincere as I can, but perhaps it is not true. I, I mean, you know, anything's possible. Any kind of illusion is possible. We've seen some people who are extremely flawed human beings seem to think they're God's gift to the universe. So yes, anything's possible. But my my fear, Christe, is more that devotees are sincere and they think they're not than they're not sincere and they think they are. To me, uh, when I see a sincere devotee doubt their own sincerity, it, it makes me feel... Makes, how does it make me feel? makes me feel like I wish I had a magic wand and I could just go... And that that thought would leave them, that feeling would leave them. Because Just because you're sincere doesn't mean overnight you're going to become a pure devotee. And so I think some devotees, when they look at their level of Krishna consciousness, they're thinking, well, I must not be sincere. That's, that's one reason you may think you're not sincere. I must not be sincere because if I were sincere, I would be more Krishna conscious. 
Um, some people may doubt themselves. Some, you know, you may have a nature to doubt yourself, so naturally you'll doubt your sincerity. <clears throat> Maybe you, you feel, in your life, you were never good at anything, so how could I be sincere? Because that would mean that, you know, that would break the break my batting average, you know, of being bad at everything. So I couldn't be sincere because I'm bad at everything. So it could have all kinds of strange origins of thinking why I'm not sincere. But I think we can agree that if someone is practicing Krishna consciousness, there has to be a certain degree of sincerity because you couldn't do that if you weren't sincere. Maya would just come and pull you out of the line and say, no, you're not going back to Godhead. You're sticking around because you don't really care. I'm not going to, you know, you don't care. I'm not going to let you stand in the line, get your ticket back to Godhead. Get out of here. Go back to work. You know, go try to enjoy. So, my conclusion has always been, based on Krishna's statements in the 10th chapter of the Gita, the Dadami Bhuti Yogam Tam, I give intelligence, by which they can come to me. So, if someone is daily serving Krishna, weekly, monthly, yearly, decadely, every day, if they weren't sincere, Maya would have pulled them out of the line long ago. It's the fact that they're sincere that they're getting up, they're chanting their rounds, they're going on. So you know, you may feel like I could be more sincere. Okay, I wouldn't deny that. We can all be more sincere, but to feel like I to doubt my own sincerity, the only reason you should doubt it is if you're hopelessly fallen and you you can't pick yourself up. That must mean I'm not very sincere because Krishna's not helping me. I don't really want it, like we were saying before. If you don't want it, what are you going to be sincere, sincere about? But if you're actually doing it, there's a sufficient level of sincerity. So you have no objective evidence to doubt yourself. And the evidence may just be, you know, your own psychology, your own uh, whatever. This may be programming. Does that make sense? You know, a lot of a lot of what happens in Krishna consciousness in terms of how we see things is it's filtered through our own psychology. Um, but we may think, no, I'm just I'm just analyzing the philosophy and I'm thinking this way based on what I read. That may be true, but not always. In many cases, it's it's you're reading the philosophy, but it's filtered through your psychology, and so you think you're understanding the philosophy when you're just understanding. You're acting through your own psychology. Yeah, we see it. We see that a lot in trying to be humble. I'm so useless. I'm so bad. <clears throat> That's an indication of humility, but. If you don't really have humility, it's an indication of low self-esteem, masquerading as humility. So then, you know, you read the philosophy and said, okay, this is what humility looks like. And then you try to experience it, understand it, but you understand it through your own conditioning, and your own conditioning may be a kind of unworthiness which you mistake for humility when it's just your own weak psychology. So that's a problem. You have to distinguish. Uh, so Malita says, 
The difference from persons who walk a pure line and those who are affected by those environmental issues that are breaking rules or may look at it as a tuning or striving to meet a pureness that others believe we should reach. And yes, uh, it's late at night here. That's when I find some better Krishna followings. Uh-huh. <clears throat> um, striving to achieve pureness. I want to say something about that. And you said striving to achieve pureness that others believe we should reach. Um, there's two things there. What we're striving for and what we can obtain today. And as long as we make the distinction, we're okay. If we don't make the distinction, then we think that the the level of purity that's, that is our goal becomes what we should be achieving immediately. And then we can become discouraged when we can't achieve that level of purity. But if we see this level of purity that we are meant to achieve is our natural state of Krishna consciousness, and will we will eventually achieve it through the process, and I shouldn't expect that I can achieve it overnight, then we're okay. It's just when we think I'm supposed to have it now, uh, or, or as you say, others expect me to have it now, that creates a problem. Because... You know, our purity is more in our action in the beginning. If I if I act purely, I'm following certain principles, certain practices that I can do right now. Then although internally I don't feel that pure, but at least I'm acting purely and that's the best I can do. And then the internal purity will come as a consequence of my actions. And I can't... <clears throat> clean something faster than I'm and I'm I'm already doing my best my best to clean my heart so I can't get it I can't get in any cleaner you know hurry up get that pot clean well it's got 64 years of burnt rice on it it's going to take time hurry up it should be done it should be finished no this pot's really bad it's really bad it's going to take longer so we have to think that way okay I know the goal is to get all the burnt rice off the bottom of the pot it's going to take time so if I understand that, it's going to take time, and I realize, acknowledge, I'm doing my best to get the burnt rice off the bottom of the pot, and there's still a lot of rice there, but I'm doing my best. It's it's foolish to lament, because you can't do any better. So I think that's an important principle that sometimes we forget. Okay. Okay. Yes, we will start talking about Yoga Maya on Friday. Tomorrow we have class for a Russian. Um, uh, Krishna Karshan says, I really don't think this is the case. I'm not sure, case first. I'm not sure what you're referring to. As I said, meaning me, I will have to take initiation and aspire. Oh, Marco. I will have to take initiation, aspire to be a sincere devotee, then become stable. <laughs> That's Marco speaking. Oh, he's responding to Krishna Krishna. Uh, he doesn't think he'll be a guru tomorrow. 
kind of in your conversations are kind of in context to what I was saying but I don't know what I was saying so they kind of don't make sense to me anymore so I didn't read them I mean I read them in my but I didn't read them to you okay so <clears throat> that means now there's no more comments I have nothing more to read and um, sounds like the party's over now um and the party will begin next week. Excuse me, next Friday. This Friday, excuse me. This Friday. And we'll begin speaking about Yogamaya, which is interesting. Yogamaya, Mahamaya, which we've been talking about, is external manifestation of Yogamaya. Yogamaya is the internal potency of Krishna. Originally, emanating from Radharani, then as Radharani expands into Yogamaya and other forms that help in Krishna's pastimes and help us become Krishna conscious. Shubhadra, Brinda Devi, Bhakti Devi, and then expands further externally as Mahamaya, to keep the living entities away from Krishna because that's what they wanted. So she facilitates that. Um, <laughs> Mahamaya kind of ensures that that you won't forget why you came into the material world. You came here to enjoy Krishna. Krishna, uh, you want to be Krishna, enjoy Maya. So she makes sure you'll you won't remember Krishna. You have to really work on it. She will facilitate you, so, that externally. Um, So, Kamalakshi Radhika likes what I said, so we'll read what I said. It'll be a good ending. There's two things, what we are striving for and what we can reach today. As long as we make the distinction, we're okay. Yeah, that's a good one. Can somebody, Gurunishna, can you put that on my Facebook page? I think that's a good one. I don't even realize I, what, I, what I say until someone writes it on the chat and says it back to me. I go, hmm, well, that's a good one. <laughs> okay, Hare Krishna to everyone. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai Gopremanandi. Hari Hari Go. We're having a class at one thirty. I think it's advertised. It's it's for newer people. It may be interesting to you on uh, defining the difference between being spiritual and being religious. And uh, if you want to come, um, I guess you go somewhere on Facebook and find the address. I also have to find the address somewhere on Facebook so I can show up to give the class. So, Hare Krishna to all of you. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai Go Premanandi Hari Hari Bol